and it fluctuates. The most important thing is to understand libido doesn't depend on gender and over your lifetime it's going to go up and down. Smacking me on the bum when I'm in the kitchen is not going to work for me, but for other people it might really work. And they're like, do, 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 don't think about that, but if you tap me on the shoulder, I would love to. That's right, it's time to get sexy. I'm with Tanya Coons. <laughs> hey, Maya, I just flounced into the studio there. <laughs> if you just joined us and you're wondering what is going on, you're listening to Let's Talk About Sex, a sexual uh, health, pleasure and wellness segment here on Mornings with pleasure activist and therapist Tanya Coons, the one and only. Hey, hello. It's good to be back in person. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know this. I know. It's been <laughs> it's been some time. Um, and if you missed it, we're talking today about mismatched libidos. So high ones, low ones, whether biology, sociology comes into play. Uh, in your urges and all of the things so much more so if you've got any questions 0409 945 945 is the place to drop us a line and I think Tanya the best place for us to kick off with is what is libido or what is a desire yeah great question actually because I think different people have different ideas of this what, what we think about sex libido is a willingness to engage in sexual activities and your desire, that's your interest or your urge to sort of seek out sexual activities or objects. So you can have internal motivators or external motivators. And even if you have desire, you may or you may not act upon it, which is very interesting news for some folks when they're having differences in libido. Mm, mm. Um, crazy. So would you say there's like a bit of spontaneity that comes into this? Oh, there's the word. <laughs> there's there's different types of desire, and uh, it's it's getting better known these days that you have spontaneous desire and responsive desire. I think what we see in the media that's all spontaneous desire. It's that tingling in the loins. It's that lusty feeling where you want to go jump on somebody and grind all over them. That sort of thing is spontaneous desire. So. And it's limerence too. It's when we fall in love and we, we get this flush of hormones because we're hardwired to find a mate. So mm. our bodies help us out in that situation. But those hormones don't last forever. And that means sometimes in long-term relationships, often I should say, uh, desire goes down over time. So when it comes to getting sexy, there might be a more responsive desire. And that might be where you're, you're responding to a request or you're deciding to have sex rather than waiting for that familiar tingling in the loins. Mm. It might even mean prioritizing sex. Because I know so many folks can write in their diary drinks after work, take the kids to soccer, mm -hmm. but they forget to sort of um, put aside time with my honey to see if things are going to, you know, just be a little intimate. They don't have to. It's not Wednesday afternoon at 5.30 we shall have sex. <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, <laughs> no, pressure. But if you pop in some activities like, oh, let's have a massage this week or take a bath together or do something nice and intimate that you may not do with your best friend, then that could help lead into sexy times or help you prioritise it. Mm. And would you say mismatched libidos or this thing called a desire discrepancy 
is something that you often deal with in your work? <laughs> oh my God, my it is the number one presenting issue, really. <laughs> um, I think we don't think about a lot of things. You know, there's all this, what we see in the media and what we grow up with uh, about what sex should be or what should be happening. And whenever I hear that word should, I always think it's about other people's opinions on me. Um, does everyone have the same sexual potential is a really good question to ask. Some folks have dysfunction. Some folks have difficulty with fitness. What about the days when we're anxious or stressed or depressed? What about people's different biological set points? You know, some people have naturally high libido. Some people have naturally low. But then I think that, you know, we're, we're socialized to think that, you know, men have high desire and women have low desire. I don't even like these terms anymore. Mm. Um, but I think some folk have high and some have low and, and it fluctuates. The most important thing is to understand libido doesn't depend on gender and over your lifetime it's going to go up and down. I kind of like liken it to imagine a dolphin that's going in and out of the waves, you know, a little bit up, a little bit down, a little bit up, a little bit down. Mm. So you don't really want it to be jumping high out of the water or plunging to great depths. Just sort of like, here we go, this is a good week. Maybe this week I'm tired or stressed or, you know, I'm going to be less interested. But sort of understanding that. Mm -hmm. And when you understand the effects of stress, so for folks with penis, things like um, they'll, they'll, organize, they'll orgasm faster Whereas vulva owners take longer. That's an interesting um, flaw in the system there. <laughs> uh, and, and that can, you know, when, when you're stressed or when you're anxious or when you're depressed, those things really heavily impact libido, usually for the negative. Some folks like to have um, sex when they're stressed because it relieves uh, the anxiety or distracts them from what they're worried about. But for the vast majority, it can flatline their libido. Um, and things like... The concept of working harder for an orgasm is quite foreign to most cis men, right? Because, again, it, it's a lot easier for them to come about it. Mm -hmm. Pardon the pun. Um, and uh, sometimes people don't understand that arousal by touching breasts or genitals for cis women can be a lot more difficult when they're stressed, and particularly when they're busy or they're doing something, right? Because the stress levels are higher. So... Uh, Conversely, cis men tend to respond quite well to touch when they're stressed. Mm -hmm. So we're not sort of tuning into it. There's just this sort of big social push, I reckon, that we should be having a lot of sex all of the time. And there's tons of sexual myths that make that quite difficult. Mm. I like that you said a little earlier something along the lines of being socialised yeah. to do. Yeah. We're going to jump back into that concept with libidos right after this next track here and let's talk about sex, so don't go anywhere. This is Sophia and Jess B with Queen Energy and there's some naughty words, so consider yourself warned. You don't really want the beat, nah. Coming at your full speed, yeah. They know not to fuck with me, nah. Big Queen Energy, yeah. You don't really want the beat. Hard song for a hard segment, and by hard, I mean absolutely packed to the brim, of course. <laughs> uh, we are on Let's Talk About Sex here on Mornings. My name's Maya Billig. I'm with Tanya Coons. We're talking about libidos, high ones, low ones, and we shared a little earlier, or rather, 
Tanya explained earlier that this is very common in her line of work. Sure is. It sure is. It's it's off. It's behind most things, actually. Yeah, right. So it's quite um, it's quite interesting because people need to also learn to communicate then about this stuff. And most folk are loath to mm. talk about sex, things they like, things they don't like, things that are working, things that are not working. Mm. Um, and we'll we'll get to this a little bit later. We've got some specific questions on what to do when there's um, partner partners that are different to selves. Mm. But, yeah. Now, Tanya, do you often see this as an ongoing mismatch in terms of, like, couples who maybe have different uh, drives of libidos? Or is it something that you think can come into a relationship from outside factors or influences? Um, Yes and yes (laughs) would be the answers to that. Um, I think we've got our we've got our individual things that can impact us. So we mentioned before, anxiety, stress, depression, that sort of stuff. Um, lots of medications can influence people's libidos. So it's very well known that SSRI antidepressants that influences upwards of seventy percent of people who take them in terms of an impact on their desire or their sensation or both. So that's a very big thing to factor in, and it's quite frustrating for a lot of folk who need to take those those medications to feel better and to cope with life but then suffer a little in the bedroom department or they're waiting to feel horny again so we we do a lot of work around let's make a decision and see what happens because often we will arouse Um, recreational drugs can also have an impact but in terms of individual differences there's so many ways that people can differ in their attitude and ideas about sex that it will impact their libido so how often you want to have sex and I'll talk to clients often and say let me ask you how often you'd like to have sex but I'd like you to answer that question for me twice once in an ideal world and once in a good enough world so an ideal world it's not we don't live in a porn film it's just a good day week month or year uh, where there's no stress or things interfering how often would you like to be having sex and then good enough is this is really what I need to survive So it's going to show us the stretch. So for someone with a higher libido, they might say, I would like to have sex every day of the week, but, you know, good enough, I could survive with maybe twice a week. Yeah. Um, And for someone with a lower libido, they might say, I want to have sex once a month, but in a good enough world, I could possibly push up to once a week. Right. So we've got people coming up and down to try and see if they can meet their partner. And that then gives us room to move because when people are afraid, often uh, the higher libido person's asking all the time. Right? I had a couple in once and she was just like, oh, my God, my partner keeps asking for sex all the time. This is so stressful. And we asked the question and she said, well, you know, ideally once a fortnight, but I could, you know, come up to once a week. And he had said every day. Um, yeah and when he got to good enough he said once a week and she was just taking a sip of water and went (laughs) spurted it all over the room and she went are you kidding you're always on at me for sex and he's like I know but I'm I'm going on the ratio (laughs) of the yes response but having a little chat like that they worked out well let's you know let's have a date night or let's put aside some time and make sure that we have Mm. on the weekend zero arguments about sex anymore they were fine in fact they got to be having more than they thought they would 
cute. Really simple. So there's there's things like that. What are your enhancers? You know, when's a good time to approach? When's not a good time? Do you expect your partner to initiate? Because your partner might have the kind of libido personality that doesn't. So if you're high libido and you're holding your breath and waiting for your partner to initiate and they're like, don't think about sex, but if you tap me on the shoulder, I would love to, you're going to have some problems there. Um, Does your partner want to do different sexual things all the time and would you prefer routine? Do you need certain things to make it spicy for you? Does your partner want to do those certain things all the time? Are you an object of desire? Are you getting harassed all the time about sex? And is that tiring and not the first thing you want to hear when you come home? What is the purpose of sex in your relationship and your life? What's the meaning of sex? What's the meaning of specific sexual behaviors? How important is sex? All these things vary from individual to individual. Mm. So imagine trying to sort of layer those on top of each other when you're relating with someone. Totally. Yeah. Um, now, how do you find out if you have a high or a low libido and is this an important thing to know before you begin to have sex with a new partner? Um, I read this question when I was doing preparation and I smiled because I don't think you can really know. I mean, I do think some folks are like, yeah, man, I really love sex and, you know, I like to have a lot of it. And some folks are like, oh, you know, it's not so high on my agenda. Mm. And again, when I'm working with clients... I often get them to rate the top 10 important things in a relationship. I've got a little list, so sex is in there. Um, but I also give sex a separate question, like how important is sex to you? You know, not important, somewhat important, very important. So if they differ on the ratings between things in a relationship, so one person might have it at two and the other might have it at six, they both might tick very important, which is great because we kind of know they're on the same line. If one person is somewhat important and the other has very important we need to have a conversation about what that means and how we can translate that into what actually happens Mm -hmm. right so um i think you know there are different reasons for high and low libido and that depends on the relationship you know we were talking about things going up and down but maybe specific things that get you interested in sex might be missing in one relationship or there in another right so things like touch and visuals and sound some folk might love to wear lingerie and others may not there might be fetishes involved some folks really like spanking or a bit of dirty talk other people like ah, ah, ah. no 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 that's that's not happening for me um how attracted you are to people what really what what's the realistic way that you expect someone to have a sex drive we have lots of myths out there that um men should feel horny all the time and uh, oh, my last partner wanted sex every day. What's wrong with you? So things like that don't help. Um, and your partner might not understand specific needs. Like smacking me on the bum when I'm in the kitchen is not going to work for me. But for other people, it might really work. Right. So finding out how to initiate, how your partner's body arouses, what your partner's really into. So it's not all about what you know and what you bring to the table. It's being very curious about what happens for them is there pain is there discomfort these are really big reasons why people say no thank you is there a lack of enjoyment you know has there been a lot of hassling to get to the sex are there relationship problems you know it's we, we go through ups and downs in our relationships so it's not very sexy if your partner's sulking mm. are there and these are the external influences you were mentioning 
cultural influences, religion, you know, no sex before marriage. Uh, do you have a sexual orientation that's been banned or, you know, looked upon badly? Do you, are you interested in activities that are considered taboo? Is there shame around sex or shame around your body? And we were chatting in the break about structural oppression. Um, isn't it funny that things like racism, ableism, sexism can really impact your ability totally. to have pleasure and to be able to be relaxed in the bedroom? Mm. It's huge when you think about it. It's not just a case of I feel horny, I don't feel horny mm. when you think about it. Yeah. There's so much to unpack and uncover with a topic like this. Yeah. <laughs> and on that, we're going to jump into another track, but don't go anywhere. We've got more Let's Talk About Sex coming right up. This is Strawman Army. FBI Radio, that's Jerusalem Syndrome coming out of NYC uh, with, well, by rather, Strawman Army. My name's Maya Billick. I'm with Tanya Coons. We're talking about libidos on Let's Talk About Sex. And we had a question on 0409-945-945 from Tal and Petersham. Is there any thoughts or material on people with penises coming but no orgasm? From my experience, these are two very different things. Seems they are treated as the same in discussions. I know this is different from today's discussion. Yep, they totally are different. Um, often they're simultaneous. An orgasm it comes with an ejaculation, but it's quite possible for folks with penises to have an orgasm and not ejaculate. Sometimes there might be issues with the plumbing, uh, but sometimes they're separate activities. So uh, I don't know where, to, just off the top of my head, where to point you to read. A little Googling will bring that stuff up, but uh, I can come in next time or we can pop some links up on the page Yeah. when I do a little bit of quick research there for you. Totally. But yes, I think it's not high, but it's maybe 5 to 10% of uh, penis owners don't uh, ejaculate when they orgasm. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, it's really interesting. Just a note, if you're having cloudy urine after you eject, uh, after you have an orgasm, you might have retrograde ejaculation. So things are going backwards into the system. Go see a doctor about that. Uh, well, on that note, <laughs> back to libidos. On the side. <laughs> um, big question here, Tanya, and I think something that maybe someone listening might be able to relate to is having a high or a low libido something that you can just have forever? It's it's finite. Or is it something that you think can change? I definitely think that it can change. And just think about all the things we've mentioned just before this. Like there are so many influences and totally. factors that are shaping how we feel about sex, where our energy is. So I think that's a great opportunity for a better understanding of your own libido, but also being curious about your partner. What's cool? What's not? How does intimacy work for you and your partner? Um, it puts you in a better position to negotiate, I think, for a win-win. Um, we have to remember that sex isn't your right or your partner's responsibility. I say this a million times a day, but that's what we get taught. You know, that's part of the world that we live in. So we want to try and think outside the box of traditional sexual scripts. 
which tend to be kiss, foreplay, penetration type activities. So that gets really dull really quickly for a lot of folk and they lose interest in sex, particularly folks with vulvas. So understanding how bodies arouse, understanding what sex can be, it's not all about penetration and those kinds of activities. You have an entire body that's full of erogenous zones and that can be woken up for pleasure. There's many, many different ways that you can respond to and relate to your partner in intimate ways. Many, mm. many. Mm. Now, how do you manage that desire discrepancy in a relationship and avoid any feelings of guilt or rejection? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tricky one because I think being knocked back over and over does, you know, it's like, oh my God, I feel really bad for, you know, I don't want to be that person for asking all the time. Mm. And uh, I also, I'm feeling a little bit sad, like what's wrong with me or... Do I have to, you know, do we have to break up? Is there something wrong? And again, if people can't talk about it, because I think avoidance is the number one strategy that people use when there's a problem or when they're anxious, um, then see if you can come. If you're the person that's asking and you really, really would like to have sex, bring your curiosity, right? I, I One of my supervisors wrote their PhD dissertation on sexual personality types, which, you know, if we can be sort of like, intellectual or athletic outside of the bedroom and have different personalities why wouldn't we have different sexual personalities Interesting. yeah it totally is and and her work is amazing and when I work with clients often I can tell people walking right through the door I'm like oh there's a dependent libido person oh there's a stressed person oh there's someone who's feeling entitled and these names are all they're all okay this entitled sounds pejorative but you know it's a fair assumption to think I'm entitled to get the sex I want when I'm in a committed relationship. You know, th mm. there's nothing wrong with that. But when things don't go well or we can't communicate, then that's when we're having some issues. So we need to understand that when our partner says no, they're not rejecting us per se. But if we bring our curiosity, like, okay, what's going on here? Maybe it's the way that you're initiating. Maybe it's your expectations. Maybe it's because of the last time you said no, there was slamming of the doors and sulking and shouting or crying, you know, and I, I say oh, quite a lot, quite often to folks, so does sulking, slamming the door, silent treatment, getting angry, does that get you laid? <laughs> and they look at me as the pennies drop. I'm like, it's not working for you, is it? Why are you doing it? And they're like, okay, and their partner's, often next to them going that's right it doesn't work so then we're curious like, I'm like what would work mm. what would work when you're feeling a little lackluster what might tip you over because as quickly as you can decide you know what uh, I've got to get up early for the gym I'm tired I don't want to do this it's too much effort that was like three seconds to say no you can also make a decision to say yes mm. it's like all right an orgasm might be nice or just feeling close to my partner or, you know, maybe I can go to a later session at the gym tomorrow, right? Mm. And you can talk yourself into it. It really depends how the two of you, or however many of you, would like to prioritise sex. Mm. Now, I know we've got these next two split in half, but I think they do go hand in hand. Yeah. And it's the question of how to be supportive or accommodating to your partner, whether they have a higher or lower sex drive to you. Yeah. What exactly. do you suggest, Tanya? So one is bring your curiosity, right? What's going on? What is possible? My favorite question. 
what is possible? Why are we always focusing on what's not possible? Because that makes us upset and frustrated and confused. I wonder if, um, so for some folks, you know, it's quite an effort to get all wound up and have an orgasm. And they might be like, you know what, it's 11 o'clock at night. I just don't want to do that. But I would be happy to fool around and, and help you have an orgasm or just do a bit of dry humping or maybe I'm so tired. How about if I only do 10% of the work and you do 90? <laughs> right? And your partner might say, well, what about 60-40? And you could say 70-30 and we've got a deal. Right? <laughs> it's very straightforward, but it, it counters to things. What about if only one of us or none of us has an orgasm today? What about if you masturbate, but I'm here with you, like touching you and, and just being part of that and being incredibly intimate with you, but I don't feel like I can do any more with my body today. Mm. And understanding that this no doesn't mean it's going to be no all the time, right? It's really, really important to think that because we change every day. Our bodies change every day. What we feel like changes every day. So what worked yesterday or what didn't work yesterday might not work today. Mm. And the other thing I think is, what does sex mean to you? You know, find out what the meanings, thoughts and beliefs are. Sex could be the ultimate act of love. So if you're not able to express that, it can be really devastating. It could be sport, you know, hey, this is good fun, let's have a go. It could be a release. Um, what are your beliefs about sex? You know, I should get the sex that I want. I'm good at sex. I'm bad at sex. You know, um, people with penises want sex all the time. My partner should know what I like. These things are often not very helpful. Um, what do you believe about sex? You know, this is my, you know, again, my partner should know what I like, those sorts of things. There's lots of things that aren't, aren't helpful. Lots of people think if my partner doesn't want sex, we have to break up. I'm like, no, maybe, maybe a conversation would be the first step. You know, let's not catastrophize to the very end, but be curious where we used to be doing lots of things what's happened you know have we got new jobs have we moved has our diet changed is somebody not feeling very well are we fighting with our family or our best friend you know all of these things again will mm. have an impact on our libido mm. well on that note that brings us to the end of today tanya thank you so much for swinging on by oh and my lord it went quick sharing your wisdom <laughs> Um, if you'd like to revisit anything to do with Let's Talk About Sex, you can listen back at fbiradio.com or wherever you get your podcast from. Let's Talk About Sex. You can find anywhere there. We'll be back in a fortnight with you, Tanya. Thank you. And I just want to give a little plug. For those of you who work with clients, I'm actually going to run a workshop training people on how to talk about libidos with your clients. So Cute. jump onto my website and you'll see all of that info. That's starting. It's a one-month course that starts in the middle of May. Hot. We'll drop a link at fbiradio.com. Here is some Ricky Reed out of El Tarara. This is The Dream State on more. 